0: Okay, um, so I've been preaching out of Genesis 3 for a few weeks, I keep going back to it, I'm still there, um, so sorry about that if you're super over that, um, and also just a brief announcement, the last 12 months we kind of did a whole bunch of, wow, I'm undermining all of our faith values, I don't know what we believe anymore type doubt and questions, and that's not my intention for the next 12 months. My intention for the next 12 months is much more meat and potatoes, Bible study, why we love Jesus and how to be spreading his kingdom and less deep questioning of the fundamental ideas of our faith. So if, that's, uh, if you were hoping that I would completely undermine your worldview, again, we're kind of putting we're shelving that for a season. We're going back to we actually do love Jesus. Um, and so that's going to be... Yeah, it was just a bit rougher there. Uh, so we're, we're going to have some... I suppose, more um, kind of normal teaching, which I'm looking forward to. But I am still in Genesis chapter three. I have been there for a few weeks. So I'm going to read the scripture there again. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit. From the trees in the garden, but God did say, "You must not eat fruit from that tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it, or you will die." Straight up, it's interesting here, because in the actual scriptural recording of what God said, he says nothing about not touching the tree. Now, so already we have, in this dialogue with the serpent, Eve is beginning to not remember what God said properly. Uh, that or there was a whole separate conversation about not touching the tree that wasn't recorded in scripture. But already just this crafty serpent, just by having conversation, it starts to call into question what God really said. And then the serpent challenges it straight up. He says, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And as we have seen in the last few weeks, this deception, this idea that gets into Eve's head here, uh, that she will achieve, uh, to put it in our modern kind of language, self actualization She will know good and evil. She'll be wise. She'll be like God. She'll have a, a broader perspective. She'll be full of that knowledge. If only she would do what God said not to do. The Eve, uh, to, to Eve, the serpent sows this seed that you, your eyes are not open. You are not like God. You're not enough. You are not actually happy or you're not fulfilled or you don't have everything you need. But that fruit, that one thing that you've been told not to have, that's what's going to meet your needs. That's what's going to get you across that line. That's what you desperately need. And uh, now I want to kind of oddly jump across to Greek mythology. Greek mythology was at a training day this week and uh, a guy named Michael Dacey, who is an Anglican pastor, was sharing just for like five minutes and he talked about uh, some stories from the Greek mythology about the sirens and I thought it was really interesting and that's kind of what has prompted me to put it in here. But in Greek mythology, there was these creatures uh, known as sirens that are often depicted as mermaids and they would sing out to sailors as they were passing by. There were these Three, I think three Greek islands that they kind of were around and they would sing out and the sailors would be enraptured and enthralled by their song and they would crash their boats into the rocks and then the uh, sirens would eat them. It was pretty kind of cannibalistic. It was pretty awful. Uh, the sirens, uh, they're found in lots of Greek writings, but in particular, in, in the, um, the poet Homer writes about them in the Odyssey. Uh, I want to read you a little bit about that from the Odyssey here, because it's just a really great tale. Um, Odysseus is leaving his home, and the goddess Circe says to him, watch out for the sirens, they're bad news. And here's the warning that she gives to him. She says, next, when the, uh, where the siren dwells, you plough the seas. Their song is death, and makes destruction please. Unblessed the man whom music wins to stay nigh the cursed shore and listen to the lay. No more that wretch, Shall view the joys of his life, his blooming offspring or his beauteous wife. In verdant meads they sport, and wide around lie human bones that whiten all the ground. The ground, polluted, floats with human gore, and human carnage taints the dreadful shore. Fly swift the dangerous coast, let every ear be stopped against the song, tis death to hear. Firm to the mast with chains thyself be bound, nor trust thy virtue to the enchanting sound. If mad with transport, freedom thou demand. Be ever fettered, strained, and added band to band. So this God tells Circe, watch out for these sirens, Uh, tie yourself to the mast, and when you want to get free to get to them, keep adding more bands of of rope to yourself so that you can't get there. Then Odysseus, he thinks... Wow, this is awesome. Let's totally go there. And he tells all his crew to stop up their ears with wax. And he lashes himself to the mast. um, Because he wants to hear it. And he says to his crew, don't untie me. No matter what I say, uh, don't untie me. And the story continues. Me, me alone with fetters firmly bound. The gods allow to hear the dangerous sound. Hear and obey, if freedom I demand, be ever, every fetter strained, be added band to band. And so off they went and sailed to these islands. And the sirens start to to sing and cry out, O stay, O pride of Greece. Ulysses, stay, O cease thy course and listen to our lay. Blessed is the man ordained our voice to hear. The song instructs the soul and charms the ear. Approach! Thy soul shall into rapture's rise, approach and learn new wisdom from the wise. We know whate'er the king's of mighty name achieved at Ilium in the field of fame. Whatever beneath the sun's bright journey lies, O stay and learn new wisdom from the wise. There are a few things that are really interesting. here. Firstly, they knew who he was and they called out to him by name and they didn't just call out to him by name, but they also called out to him with the greatest desire of his heart. See, often when we think about the sirens in Greek mythology, we just think that they're they're sensual and they're seductress and they're sexual. But actually what they cry out is they say to him, we will give you the wisdom you desire. We know all this great wisdom. We know what happened in the field of Ilium. We know this and we know this. And if you would but come to us, we would tell you and share with you the great wisdom that you seek. Eve, you'll be like God. I'll give you, the fruit will give you the thing that you seek. Eve, if you would just eat from this tree, then you would be like God and your eyes would be opened. See, just like the sirens, the serpent knew what it was that, that he wanted. And the serpent knows what it was that Eve wanted. And I, this is just as true today, but the difference is, is that in my nature... I don't, need a, I don't need a serpent to come and whisper in my ear and say, do this thing, do this. I don't need that because in my own nature, I already desire to do things that aren't so great. By my own nature, I try to compel and convince myself both for and against the will of God. Just do this thing and you'll be wealthy. Eat this fruit. You'll be wealthy and, and, God, and God wants you to be blessed. Because we get this story and he God wants you to be wise. Eve, God wants your eyes to be open. Eve, God wants you to be like him. Of course, you should eat the fruit. He didn't really say that. And we buy into the same story. Of course, you should hoard all the riches for yourself. God wants you to be blessed. Don't be giving your money away. Don't be generous with your, with your resources. God wants you to be blessed because you're righteous. And we buy into the temptation, into the greed. You'll be popular. If you do this, you'll be popular. Eat the fruit and you'll be popular. God wants you to be able to witness. And when you're popular, you can witness so much more. You'll be powerful. Eat the fruit and you'll have the power to bring about righteous change. You'll be wise and your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You'll be happy. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to sing praises. Of course, you should eat the fruit. It will make you happy and you'll be loved. Because God doesn't want you to feel alone. He doesn't want you to feel unloved or unworthy. Eat the fruit and it will give you the desire of your heart. It's so easy to stray just little by little from what God has said. One moment it's don't eat the fruit. The next moment it's, well, did God really say that? And we have this experience daily. We have these moments in every single day where we are tempted, where where we have the serpent in our own heart whispering to us to eat the fruit. To give in to the siren's call. To just be lured in closer. To just, I just want to hear it. I just want to taste it. I just want to experience it just a little bit. And expect that we can just sail on away. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It's simply a temptation to stay in bed. And skip gathering with believers. It's simply a temptation to just not give of your money and your time. It's just... To, to not volunteer when we need people to serve. To you know, just, just sit back and say, no, 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 I, I deserve to be served, not to serve. It's just this little temptation by temptation where we, we allow ourselves to be drawn into the rocky coast, to the siren's music. The temptation calls to us. The temptation to feel entitled, like we talked about a few weeks ago, to not be thankful, to think, I deserve this. I deserve to be served or I deserve the work that I'm doing. I deserve to be paid and I deserve to be loved and I deserve this. And they should be meeting my needs. And of course, because we have grown up with this entitlement, we have so much and because of it, we lack thankfulness. The temptation to not be thankful, to not be grateful, to not constantly count our blessings, to not constantly recognise that we should be thanking our God in heaven for what he has provided for us. The temptation to just think we deserve it. There's a million tiny little calls that come crying out for us to abandon our values and our integrity. There's another story in the Greek mythology. Um, you might have remembered uh, the name of Jason and the Argonauts. Um, and they traveled past the Sirens as well. And they were so close to, to destruction. It says in in the story of Jason and the Argonauts, And they were already about to cast from the ship the horses to the shore, had not Thracian Orpheus, son of Egrus, stringing in his hands his Vistonian lyre, rung forth the hasty snatch of a rippling melody, so that their ears might be filled with the sound of his twanging, and the lyre overcame the maiden's voice. How great is the imagery there? Read that again. Already they were about to cast from the ship. The horses to the shore had not Thracian Orpheus, son of Egris. Can you hear like the the middle earth kind of over the voice over it? And you can just see him. And it's like this weird mythical thing where he's there's these beasts that are crying out to them, these gorgeous sirens that are destining them to destruction. And here he is stringing up his lyre. Had not Thracian Orpheus, son of Egress, stringing in his hands, his Bistonian lyre rung forth the hasty snatch of a rippling melody so that their ears might be filled with the sound of his twanging and the lyre overcame the maiden's voice. I love that. I could read that one a few more times. I won't, but I love that. The hasty snatch of a rippling melody. He pulls out his lyre and he plays a more beautiful song than the sirens. They are saved because the the song that that, that comes out, the melody, the rippling snatch comes out. And it is this glorious music that is more beautiful than the sirens call. It drowns out their temptation. It drowns out the things that they are saying and they continue to, to go through it to safety. Oh, that in our life we would have a sound more beautiful than the sirens call to, to draw us away from the perilous shore. Oh, that we would have the sound of a, that, that rippling melody. The sound of heaven's call, the sound of, of the glorious call of heaven, the kingdom that he would draw us in. And it would be so overpowering, so beautiful, so melodic that we would no longer hear the temptation. That as the serpent comes and he says, eat from the fruit. It will make your eyes open. You'll be like God. You'll be wealthy. You'll be powerful. You'll be rich. You'll You'll have all the things that your heart could desire, even righteousness or even wisdom or the lies that are sown, the temptation that is sown. Oh, that we would have a song and a melody that would draw us back to his kingdom that overpowers the siren's call. see, in this first story, Odysseus, he needed his companions because he all he could hear was the temptation. And he was begging them, throw off my bounds so that I may go to shore and hear and know of the wisdom that they had to offer. But his companions saved him. His companions could see that temptation for what it was and they bound him tighter. See, Odysseus had a, a community and a group of, of mighty sailors and mighty men around him that wouldn't allow him to hear that false temptation. We need to hear a more beautiful song. We need to be focused on the true giver of life, the most beautiful music that comes from heaven. We need to be consumed by the song of heaven and not by the song of the world. In Hebrews 12, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, this is the beautiful melody. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And even though the temptation comes here and here, it's, we, we, we don't have eyes for anything else but Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. And we run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We don't sway left or right. We don't get distracted into the, into the, um, the bay of destruction, the rocks that would destroy us and the sirens that would consume us. We run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. faith. If we want to save ourselves, we need to hear that more beautiful song. And, and more than that, if we want to save others, we need to only hear that song, that beautiful song that comes from Jesus and not the one that comes from the world. In 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 2, it says this. It says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. See, Christ leads us. And and the imagery here is of of this fragrance, the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are are perishing. It's just like this rippling melody that went out. Are we a beautiful fragrance? Are we an aroma to both those who are perishing and those? Are we able to draw them in? Are they they able to, to, to taste on the tip of their tongue and to smell and to hear the glory of heaven when they see and come near of us? Are we able to help them to avoid destruction? Are we able to help one another, to tie one another to the purpose of Christ? Instead of being distracted by the sirens call, being distracted by the serpents call. How can we have a more beautiful song? What does it mean for us? Like we often have gone and done that study and we looked at one another and one another and one another all through the New Testament. We find it says to love one another and serve one another and be gracious to one another and forgive one another and just, and just to be there constantly in, in one another's space so that we may stay true to the path. What does it mean to have a more beautiful song? What does it mean for you as you go back to school now, teachers, to have a more beautiful song? Because I can tell you, I have some memories of teachers who did not have a beautiful song. I have some memories of teachers who had a beastly evil song. that that just destroyed everyone who heard it. But how do we have a more beautiful song, a song that empowers and encourages, a song that lifts up and a song that rejoices, a song that is thankful and not entitled, a song that is deeply immersed in the kingdom of God. And how do we encourage one another on to great deeds? How do we encourage one another to stay through the path, even though the sirens call is right there? When was the last time you, you could see someone giving in to that call? And instead of just waving goodbye and saying, I hope you enjoy being eaten alive, you had the courage to bind them tight to yourself, to bind them tight to the mask and to say, I will stand with you in this challenge. How can we have a more beautiful song? Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would hear a more beautiful song, that we would experience that aroma and fragrance of heaven and that we would be able to run and persevere and stay the course. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, the one who showed us the true path, the one who played the most beautiful song. May our lives reflect the, the, the song of service, the song of sacrifice that Jesus played. As he took step by step towards the cross, as he laid down his life for us, a beautiful, beautiful song that drowns out all of those other temptations, that drowns out the siren call, that drowns out the the, the lie and the marketing of the devil and the serpent that comes and tells us we aren't enough, we don't have enough and that we can only be enough if we somehow give away ourselves to, to him. But Lord, I pray we would know that we find ourselves in you. May we know that more beautiful song. May we be an aroma to those who are saved and to those who are perishing. And may we see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to wrap up there. I know it's a bit, uh, a bit earlier than normal. It's just that uh, I understand that Without children's says the kids will uh, run out of steam before most of you. Uh, no one appears to be napping, though, so well done. Uh, what, what we might do, though, is uh, just have a bit of a conversation about what does it mean to have a beautiful song? What does it mean to hear that song in your marriage or your workplace? What does it mean uh, in the place that you live? To What is the kingdom of God? What's the, the unique, rippling melody of the kingdom of God in your life? Um, and if you're in a very small group and very brave, uh, you can share the things that, that you hear calling out to you, and ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with you and to help bind you to the mast and uh, to stay true the path. So maybe let's just spend a few minutes chatting about that until poor little Archie, until we're wrapped up. Jeffrey, going here inside? Harry is going to year three.